the volume of data is constantly increasing. People are looking at things from a higher and higher level and processors just aren't keeping up. That's why it's really interesting to see so many accelerators being brought to the fore. We're here at Cloud Field Day, recording this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast, On-Premises. And we've just heard from a number of companies, among them a company that's making a SQL accelerator, a company that makes networking hardware, a company that makes advanced storage systems. All of these things are designed to accelerate uh, everything that we do. That's what we're going to talk about today on the On-Premise IT Podcast. CPUs just aren't cutting it anymore. That's the topic of this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast, brought to you by Gestalt IT and the Futurum Group. I'm Stephen Foskett. Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-premise or on-topic, and yes, yes, today on premises on location here in Silicon Valley at Cloud Field Day. We have just spent two days talking to companies, listening to companies, learning about the latest in technology in the cloud. And it's funny, you'd think the cloud was all about software, but it sure sounds like it's all about hardware because there is a lot of specialized hardware out there keeping up with the workload. So before we begin on that premise, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, I'm Thomas LaRock. Uh, I am a data professional, technical advocate, and uh, I'm known online as SQL Rockstar. Hi, I am Shalom. Many may know me across social media as Gifted Lane. I like to think of myself as a cloud advocate, and I'm excited to be here for Cloud Field Day in person. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Saprinsky. Um, no, you can't spell that. And uh, I'm an Oracle Ace Director, Oracle DBA, many years in IT, uh, and I am chief storyteller at Zero Defect Computing. So here's the thing, all three of you come from basically software uh, focus, and yet, and yet, when I asked you, what do you think was the theme, what do you think was the, there was a lot of, a lot of hardware talk. Are we living in an era where CPUs and hardware and software and everything, you know, where the conventional computers that we've all used, they just can't keep up with the workload anymore. And we're going to need all sorts of specialized hardware now. Um, what do you think? No. All right. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> and that was this episode. No, I'm <laughs> No, I just think we're in one part of a cycle because it always goes around and around where uh, hardware will make an innovation and then people will write code to take advantage of the new hardware and eventually everything hits a cap and then it just comes back around. That's where we are right now. I, I have to agree. Um, I'm just, you don't have to. No, I, I don't, but in my spirit, in my spirit, I'm just not fully buying into, oh, well, the issue is hardware. So if we like buy all this hardware, it's gonna fix your problems. And it's like, nah, there's, there's some stuff you gotta do at yeah. the software level yeah. too, yeah. so. Though that the most interesting thing that I heard over two days, in my opinion, came from Broadcom. And I never expected to say that, you know, about mm. a, a chip on a, a NIC somewhere. But in a way, they are building stuff specifically to handle problems that we really can't handle inside a typical compute node, uh, specifically being able to intercept in real time a packet that might be suspicious or that based on um, a neural 
uh, network pattern, machine learning pattern, that has been identified sufficiently with the you know, possible uh, uh, false positive as a deleterious packet. So they are building stuff at that level, at the per packet, not per sampled packet level. Um, so obviously they are building hardware to handle problems that we never really thought we could handle with particular types of hardware before. So I, a qualified, I disagree, no, yeah. yes. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. And the thing with what you're speaking of to what uh, Brock Callum showed to us today, I'm excited about it, but I would be even more excited about it if I could get more into, okay, who are the customers? Are with some of the customers, does that involve the CDNs? Because that's where mm. my heartache is. Um, mm. Working in cloud, everyone who knows me, network is my first love, cloud is my second, um, and current, right? But I still do a lot of networking in the cloud, and one of the mm. things I face from day to day in the cloud is DDoS attacks. Mm. And I'm always having to give feedback to the CDNs to say, mm hey, here's the behavior or the pattern that I'm seeing. They then go and they add it to their stuff, you know, to catch it. And so with Broadcom's, you know, hardware, it would be nice if some kind of way that gets featured with CDNs where maybe they're using mm -hmm. it and then mm -hmm. the CDNs are collectively working together right. in a simplified uh, explanation, the same way how you have like Norton or something like that. Mm -hmm. And all of that, you know, gets aggregated and shared across globally, that would be nice. It would mm. make my life easier. Interesting. Mm. And to kind of echo back to that, I was just thinking, um, I was at a particular uh, Tech Field Day event where we were actually talking about storage um, having issues with deleterious workloads and about how it had been for ransomware I do not remember the exact vendor that was talking about this, but they would say, okay, we're just gonna encrypt the whole disk. And now they've gotten more and more sophisticated where we're not gonna encrypt the disk, we'll encrypt parts of this file and you won't recognize it until you try to go back and do uh, some sort of access, right? So I can imagine, for example, in an, a, a database or you know, an ex a file that you're accessing that is five years old and you haven't touched it at all, that's what they go after and mess with you, and you don't even know it's sitting there. So the exploits are getting more and more sophisticated, and it's exciting in my mind that we're recognizing that we're not powerless. And the, the chip manufacturers and the hardware manufacturers uh, are acknowledging that and are providing us with the tools, if they would just tell us who those tools were <laughs> being used by, I agree. <laughs> well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, the Broadcom uh, chips are probably used by everybody uh, or almost everybody. I mean, that, that's the thing. They're, they're, the, they're the, the, I don't know, the intel of networking chips. Yeah. And I feel like that's a nice uh, segue speaking of Broadcom because we did see, and I think you would have some opinions about this, where we got to hear about SPUs and what did we see on yeah. that piece of hardware. A Broadcom so. chip, yep. <laughs> You're right. Along with a right. proprietary chip. So, so, so Tom, tell us a little bit, what is an SPU? SPU is a SQL processing unit. I didn't know it existed until yesterday, <laughs> and now I want one. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's a piece of hardware that is designed to speed up uh, analytical queries, 
As long as you have an analytical platform, and a lot of companies, if you're in that space, you already have that. So if you're using Spark or Presto, then it just interprets that language, and it can process the queries even faster. And it looks brilliant, and I'd like to know more about it. So it's interesting that what you and, and Shala are saying is essentially you're talking about hardware that is specifically designed and optimized to understand or to specially process uh, specific workloads, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. And that's the world that we live in now. I mean, I think that if you talk to Intel, for example, their their thought seems to be that that you have a CPU, but then you have all sorts of accelerators all throughout the workload. Mm -hmm. You know, that's certainly what we were hearing from companies like VMware. Um, you know, that's kind of how they they're trying to do things. That's what we're hearing from. I mean, that's like basically Nvidia's entire entire universe is building, you know, awesome hardware for specific yep. use cases that, that just could never be processed normally. So is that the world that we live in now? We don't live in a monolithic world where you've got a CPU now. We've got, a, we're living in a, in, a, in a world where you've got this distributed specialized hardware, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are, yeah. yeah. Well, then how come you guys disagreed with me when I said that at the beginning? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I disagreed with the specialized hardware. I think I disagreed saying that it was, um, the fix-all. The, the fix-all, because it's not. <laughs> it's just temporary. You're just moving the wall slightly, yeah. and now eventually somebody's going to come up with the right idea of figuring out a way to write code to make it even, to take advantage of those things. Yeah. That's uh, all. And hear me out, but I almost feel like because I live in the DevOps world, I feel like there's a new term or culture that needs to be created where it does what we did with DevOps. So you have like operations and developers, mm. and you merge that in the infinite loop. We need that between software and hardware. Oh, wow. Hmm. Is what, what I'm so what would you label that? I don't you know. Could call it, you could combine the first half of one word and the second half of the other word. You could call it software. No, no that doesn't make sense. Oh, oh no, no, no. You could switch it. You could do hardware. No, that one doesn't work either. Soft ops. Let's not soft call ops. it soft hard. I, no. I, I, I thought it, but I was like, I would keep that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the, the Twitch channel. <laughs> no, but that, that is actually a really cool idea because essentially that's the world we're living in where you, you, you've got software, you've got hardware, they're kind of pulling in different directions. Yep. If only they could kind of synthesize that into a, into a thing. I want to live in that world. Firmware. Hmm. <laughs> so hard sec ops, something like that, or I don't know. Squishy, hard squishy. What, what, what do the people out there think? I'm curious, uh, what are some yeah, ideas you all like have? To, yeah, we should ask them and then they could respond to this. I think, yes. I think it would be a good idea. We, you can put that in the comments, folks. Yeah. Yes. Believe. We'd like to hear it, seriously. Yes. So what would that look like? What would it look like if we had a future world? And I, and I think the companies are kind of dancing around this too because if you talk to companies that are making a lot of these things, I mean, we, we you heard about P4, uh, which is a programming language for network mm -hmm. processors. Right. Um, and I forget what was the other the name of the Broadcom one. Okay. MPL. 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 Thank you. Yeah, yes. that's You're welcome. It. And, um, and there again, I mean, you know, you've got specialized languages for a specific piece of hardware. Obviously, you know, NVIDIA's crown jewel is CUDA. Mm. Uh, again, special language for a special purpose. So there is really kind of a software hardware integration going on, right? Oh, yeah. The thing that I find interesting across all these presentations is it seems that we've stopped trying to get, in, from a SQL perspective, right? We can mm. talk about this. We've given up on getting developers to write better SQL. I gave up on that Start years there. ago. I mean, that's not something that's... Start there. Okay, yeah. 
But it's just like, you know, well, our, it, but isn't it IT organizations basically admitting our people really don't care and they're either not intelligent enough or not devoted enough no. to their craft to no, make it better? No, they're not. Or is it there's not, enough not to time. be picking on anybody? No, there's not enough time to, to do acquire it right? all the skills oh. necessary to keep up with everything. Okay. There's okay. not. Like, I'm a data platform MVP, but if you think I even know, you know everything that goes into there, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. I could know a lot about it because it just didn't, you know, there's just so much more that exists today. So it's, I hear you. it's hard to keep on top of all that. And if you're somebody new, you're coming out of school, yeah. you're a developer, you just need them to write some code that compiles and works. Yeah. Right. The that's idea true. of being up to date on all the things that they can take advantage of, it, it, that's not going to happen. So that's why we can right. laugh and say, no, developers never going to write the code well enough. They're not taking the time to understand how a relational database will actually process a query. And right. you I'm know not. what? They don't need to. <laughs> I, I, I concur. And <laughs> optimizers are much smarter than they used to be even five years ago. I agree with you. Um, it's interesting too, back to your comment about, not to take this into a strange tangent, but I was talking with someone at what's called Oracle Academy, and one of the interesting yeah. things that we're trying to do is get people in school right now interested in using legacy hardware and software. What we're hearing from the university perspective, are you ready for this? The university professors and teachers are teaching people stuff that's five years old. And so yeah. the stuff that's happening today, they would never even have heard about whatever's hmm. going on with what Broadcom, you know, is is doing. They're still maybe, I don't know, writing Fortran for all I know. Oh. So I mean it's frightening. It's Python, but it's it well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Python one, probably, or something. But again, it's we don't have time for that. We don't have time to do it right. So but we'll make time to oh, do it. Oh well, right. yeah, we'll fix it later. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. So my kid just graduated with a computer science degree a couple of years ago. And yeah, they, they, I mean, they absolutely are not teaching them. I, I would have guessed that they would be deeply into the open source programming. I would have guessed that they yeah. would be, you know, teaching them all these, you know, modern languages and stuff. It, it really wasn't. It really <laughs> wasn't a lot of that stuff. Um, it was, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of computer science. And the thought was basically you can figure out the rest once you know the basics. And this was somebody with a data science focus. And so, you know, I mean, they were talking to them, you know, a lot of Python, um, you know, and not a lot of uh, systems administration or database administration or networking or anything like that. Um, I don't think that I want, I'm not trying to gripe about education, but I think that it gets to the, the point that we were saying that, you know, basically um, if people don't optimize the software, then the hardware has to optimize it for yeah. them, right? So, but I think the purpose of the education isn't, for example, uh, coming out of school today, do you think a, a, a student should be well-versed in Go? Mm. Probably not. I think teaching mm. in Python is enough because it's more about the analytical reasoning. Being able to debug code, I don't care what language you're using, what's the thought process on how you're going yeah. to yeah. resolve that error message? Yeah. And plus and a new language. Sorry, because I was going to say, plus, there's always going to be, like, some new language is going right. to come out or it's going oh. to get updated. And sure. that's, like, a big thing that I like to share and why I like sharing my journey is because it's just that. Um, the thing with school is great. I mean, I went to school, did the four-year thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
But that wasn't the thing when I sat down at job one that mm. necessarily helped. It was the baptism by fire of oh, like right. sitting at the desk and working. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, can you think on your feet? Can you think creatively? Can you read the white papers and research and all these kind of things right. and figure it out? Now, a good class, a, a good thing to do to these students, drop a production database. Oh, yeah. And then see what they do. That's the class they the should freak do. out. Go fix it. It's, it's making yeah. me think of if you all haven't seen it, I'll have to share it, but if you've seen where someone took a Mr. a clip of Mr. Bean sitting in the theater, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yes, that's yeah. what would happen. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now that we've essentially ripped on the entire worldwide educational system, where should we go from here? I hope here? my professors aren't watching. Uh, but I hope it, my it is really aren't. back to back to the point, though, that yeah. you know everybody's. I think everybody's getting higher and higher level. Yeah. And it's only natural that, that that as people move up, that hardware has to keep up. And hardware has, yeah. unfortunately, has, has limits. You yeah. know? I mean, we can't have 10 gigahertz processors in production, really. That's not practical. So what do we have to do? We have to have, si we have, to have many cores. Well, we can't have, you know, now we've got, you know, 144 core processors. Okay, what are we going to do? Accelerators, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we just keep having to roll out more and more hardware to keep up with it, right? Right, right. Yeah, throw hardware at the problem. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what's happening. Yeah. We heard an interesting statistic uh, at one of our uh, tables at dinner last night that the amount of AI-generated data now oh. is close to or exceeds the amount of real data in Who said the universe. That? I did actually. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, I made it up. Seriously, you did? No, I actually read that. Okay, but good, I, good, I, I good. Don't, I don't know if it was a good source. I got you. Was it I Reddit? It was actually ChatGPT. <laughs> um, <laughs> telling you how important it is now. <laughs> no, it was not ChatGPT. But the but but it is it, that is the world that we live in, where we're right. just awash in in machine generated data. Yeah. Right. And being able to filter that, we're discussing also the idea of something like a truth engine that would say, no, 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 this is the original article, whatever it is. This is the original thought, however we would encode that. Well, I mean, that's going to take quite a bit of processing power. And however, we're going to need to do that, right, to authenticate those things. So maybe we will need to continue in that in this mode going forward. I don't know. Do you think that we're going to have a, 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 you know, people like to say that these things are cyclical. Do you think that we're going to have a move back away from distributed computing and accelerators and back toward monolithic compute? Or do you think that, that, mm. that it's just going to be a whole world of accelerators forever? <laughs> uh, I think there's always going to be a need for monolithic. Let's call it a mainframe. Right. There's always going to be a need for that. It's just the demand for it will probably be less and less over time. Uh, so I think distributed computing is the way to go, and that's going to have more and more growth. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's interesting because from an architectural standpoint, the reason the mainframe is so high performance and powerful is exactly because it has distributed processing engines mm. for networking and for storage and for computation and so on. Um, I mean, that's the original massively parallel uh, accelerated system. 
but but I get your point that basically if if you know what you know I, I don't know like an AI processing system is 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 an well beyond what a mainframe is. I mean, it's just it's a different universe. Yeah, yeah, they're two different tools. Yeah. Do, do you think that uh, that hardware is going to get too fast for uh, software? Do you think we'll always be able to absorb it? Hmm. I, I think that, we'll, again, we're back to if developers could only write good code and could spend as much time thinking about what would happen if that failed and how mission critical it is if this thing, or didn't even fail, but just ran twice as slow as it's running right now. I I think that that's the thing that, you know, we're not really teaching people to optimize things. So, yeah, uh, it's not Moore's law. Who's the, what, isn't there another law about work expands to fill the time allotted to it? So, yes, basically. What do you mean by too fast? Yeah, and what's too fast? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, what I mean is, is so, so we, were just, you know? we were just listening to Broadcom, and they're talking about networking and network, yeah. network switches. And they were saying, you know, 100 gigabit Ethernet, yeah. 200, 400. 800, yeah. 1600. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, they're talking about, you know, all, all, you know, these terabit switches with, with many, many different, you know, ports and, you know, one chip can process 64 different, what, eight, was it 64 times 800? Was that what it was? Or 64 times No, 400. times 400. Yeah. Just, okay. 64 times 400? 32 That's a times lot. eight. Yeah. Um, right. Is that too fast or is that just future proofed? Uh, I, I don't think it's too fast, and I think it'll continue to get better. Yeah. No? I think I lean towards future-proofing versus being too fast. I still don't know what too fast means. Yeah. Right, right. That. Well, it's the same thing. You know, the same thing with CPUs. You know, how about, you know, 144 cores? How about 288 cores? Can you use 288 cores of, of processor? Well, I guess it depends on what you're doing with it, but that's a awful lot of that's an awful lot of processing. I mean, if you're talking mining for Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Which, by the way, I want to know if that SQL processing unit would help with that. You're you're in my brain. Yeah. I I wanted to ask, and I, you know, because if and it does, because like, nope. that's just an analytical <laughs> workload. And if I'm just mining, I'm passing it through Spark and Presto. I think we got a new business plan. Just go. saying. This <laughs> <laughs> plan. So, so back to the back to the central premise. I Let's like wrap that. this up, and and I'm going to ask you again: um, Are do we do we desperately need to have all these new accelerators and all this new hardware because computers aren't fast enough? Desperately need no. Uh, I'm not even going to say computers aren't fast enough uh, because we have ways around that where you scale out architectures. Yeah. Uh, you distribute things across nodes, right? So, again, that, that's uh, uh, applying a solution to get around because there are hardware limitations. All the hardware does is move the wall. So instead, of this, even the guys at uh, Neuroblade say that. So instead of needing 100 nodes, you only need three. But how long will that last? In three or five years, you'll be back. Now I need 10, 20 nodes again. And we'll be right back to where we are. So I, yeah. that's a qualified no, sir. Yeah. I'm, I'm stuck on we need the DevOps equivalent between software yeah. and hardware. That's what we need. And a name for it. And a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think by the next field day, you should be tasked with that as homework. Okay. That that's name. my homework, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I'm an English major, but I can't even come up with anything that's going to sound something like deg seg. Why don't we uh, use ChatGPT to solve this problem? 
Because I'm a real creator. That's why. <laughs> wow. I'm authentic. Wow. <laughs> wow. You certainly are. Well, thank you very much for this fascinating conversation. Um, if you're wondering what what uh, field day is really like, this is what field day is really like. <laughs> As you heard, this is the kind of thing that we sit around talking about in the afternoon and evening uh, when we're at dinner, uh, when we're on the uh, in the van going from place to place. And it's honestly a lot of fun to riff off of these things with people, especially when we have people who come from very, very diverse backgrounds in terms of uh, technology and knowledge areas and areas of expertise. Because, uh, man, the thing that I've learned is it's, it pays to shut up and listen because there's always people with really remarkable, um, remarkable knowledge. So thank you so much for this. Um, we are really excited with uh, Cloud Field Day. Uh, it went so well. We've announced another one coming in June. Uh, you heard a little bit about AI in there. We've got an AI Field Day event as well. Um, you should definitely check that one out. Uh, a lot of these companies are going to be presenting at Field Day events now. And uh, also, you know, I'm really excited to be able to continue Field Day with a whole bunch of different topics. Um, you know, we're looking at doing a data platform Field Day where we would talk about uh, the stuff that uh, Thomas and, uh, and Jim like. We're looking forward to doing uh, a DevOps Field Day, which would be uh, something that uh, I'm sure that you'll see Shala at. And honestly, we're doing some other topics too. So thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, uh, where can we connect with you and continue this conversation and read uh, your thoughts about uh, whatever you're interested in? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Thomas LaRock. Uh, actually, the LinkedIn slash in SQL Rockstar will get you there. And you can find me at thomaslarock.com. I sometimes still blog. Um, you can find me across all the social platforms as at Gifted Lane, Twitch, X, LinkedIn, all of them. And you can find me at jimthewhyguy.com on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, also, that at, as J, Jay Saprinsky, I think it is. But just go to Jim the Y Guy. You'll figure it out. Because they can and, spell um, that. Yeah, yeah, it's too, too many consonants. Um, and also, uh, I'm not on X. I'm only on Mastodon because I was kicked off. So. What? What? Yeah, that, that's that, what I said. That's a different <laughs> podcast. That's a different podcast. That's the next one. <laughs> but I'm happy to say that Jim is hosted on my Mastodon server, the techfieldday.net Mastodon Thank server. You, sir. Oh. I am also very, very, very much on there. So you'll find me at sfoskit at techfieldday.net. Uh, I, I still have my ex Twitter account. Uh, I do a lot on LinkedIn, so you'll be able to find me there. And of course, uh, with the Futurum Group now being uh, above the, the field day organization, that gives us a lot more opportunities in terms of traveling and going to events and doing things. So you'll probably see me uh, all over the place going forward. Thanks for listening to the On-Premise IT Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise, now part of the Futurum Group. Uh, if you would like to leave us a comment, we would love to hear from you. You'll find us in all of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, give us a subscription. You'll also find videos of these on YouTube. Just go to YouTube slash video. And uh, we publish these episodes every week on Tuesday, but we also have a Monday podcast, which we're currently focusing on AI. That's called Utilizing Tech. And a Wednesday podcast where we uh, do a rundown of the week's news. So please do check those out as well in the Gestalt IT feeds. 
Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.